Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. First up, we're going to ask Jono to come and share with us. Let's just encourage him. All right. Good morning, church. How are you all? Man, I've got to tell you, church, I'm always so blown away by church. And this morning, it's incredible. Like, the way God sees his church, it's, it's breathtaking. I mean, I'm feeling... I've, been feeling the weight of his love this morning for this church. Church, in the words of somebody else, you are no mere mortals. You are, you are shining jewels. You are God's prize. It's, uh, it's incredible how much he loves us. And um, yeah, I'm really happy to be speaking to you, especially about this topic, because I think, well, to me, rest is, it's, uh, it's something really close to my heart, and I think, it's, uh, I think it's something that's on God's heart. And hopefully, I'll give you a few points as to why. In trying to think about what I'm going to share with you this morning, I, uh, I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff, and I came up with what appeared to be, well, what turned out to be a sort of a letter to, to the church. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to write a letter to the church. It's, uh, I never have. Uh, it was new to me. But um, I was going to read it out to you, but I don't think it was going to work very well. So I have just pulled out some of the, the major points that I got from that. It was, um, yeah, it, uh, and hopefully, hopefully you can get something from it. So the first point, the first and, mo- and strongest point that, that came out of this was that rest is important. It's very, very important. It's important to God. It's important to us. It's important. Uh, well, let's have a look. So Genesis 2.2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had done, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. That's way back in the beginning. That's, that's when it all started. He entered his rest. And he's still in that rest. He didn't leave that rest. His whole intention was for us to be with him in that rest. And that was his whole goal and still is his goal. And we didn't have a way to get there until he made a way, which was part of his plan. And that way has been made now. And that's, that is the finished work of Christ, as, as we keep on saying. He's given us a way to enter that rest. Um, and so it's not, it's, not a, it's not just some state. It's not a it, physical rest, rest is part of it. But it's so much more to it. Just like most other things in this world, phys- the physical side of it is just a, um, it's a symbol or just a, a filtered version of the real thing. It's, um, there's so much more. His rest is where all of his resources come from. The, uh, the second point that came from it is that, obviously, because it's so important, it's, uh, it's heavily un- under attack. And it gets attacked all the time. Attempts will be made to undermine it to hide it, to destroy it, to belittle it, to disguise it, um, and to bring it down in every possible way. Um, And it's something we need to be very aware of. Because if you're not in God's rest, the only thing you have to rely on is your own resources. And that's exactly where our enemy wants us to be, without resource, without ability to deal with day-to-day troubles, without... um, 
yeah, on our own. The flip side of that is that if you are in his rest, you have every resource you possibly need. You find yourself immersed, immersed in his grace and, yeah, every, every possible resource. I, I pulled this, um, I thought I'd just read this well-known verse to, um, to pull the contrast or to just to highlight his resource and his provision out of this. So Psalm 23, 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So to me, that was just showing us that in that rest where he wants us to be, where he leads us to, our cup overflows, we have everything we need. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the, final, it's the final goal for, for us for, from his point of view, to bring us into his rest. And it's not just something that's for later. When, when he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant, come into my rest, it's actually available now. You can, you can access his rest now. So the next point that I, can, that I got from it will highlight from Isaiah 64, 6. Um, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds, our righteous deeds, are like polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So it's a bit of a, a bit different there. But what this is trying to say is that Outside of this rest, everything we do is at risk of being fruitless. Even our most, our sp- our most righteous efforts um, don't really amount to much because our faith doesn't produce the type of um, works that he's looking for. But the good, the good part about that is that when he calls us into his rest, he gives us his faith, and from that comes his works. So what this is saying is that, or the point that this was making is that efforts outside of this rest are, well, we've got to consider them. Consider what the efforts are producing. Consider the fruit of the efforts and and consider how God sees them. Because only Christ's faith produces Christ's work. And the good news is, is that he's freely given us his faith. And it's accessible in that rest. And the last point that came from this was you can't enter or stay in his rest if you feel guilty of your sins or if you, if you are under some sort of condemnation. Now, this is all sorts of, of guilt or condemnation, and it happens to us so easily because it's another area where the enemy loves to attack and loves to, loves to twist the truth, twist God's nature, twist the way things really are. Whether it was yesterday's sin or last century's sin, you have to receive his forgiveness as soon as you're aware that, that it's there because it's freely given. And the thing is, this condemnation is, it can be subtle and it, and it undermines everything. But the thing is, as soon as it's there, we no longer feel that we have access to God. We no longer feel that we are free to, we, we no longer feel that he wants us close to him, that he wants us with him. And the thing is, we don't have to. We don't have to feel a single ounce of condemnation. It's, 
it's really hard to reconcile in our own in our own heads the way he so freely and 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 constantly and over and over gives us gives us that that forgiveness but he does and he wants us to so that we can enter that rest so a few verses just to um to to illustrate that point in romans 4 5 he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification um that's speaking of of the exchange that happened us for him him for us and john 16 33 i've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world and Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, just to, to finish it all up, Jesus, God's plan for us has always been for us to look to Him. It's kind of like the more you look at Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit works in inside of you. The more you look at yourself, he stops. The, Jesus wants to be our resource, our sole resource, the, the, the place we go for everything we need. The, uh, yeah, I think, I think I've made the point. And that's his rest. So church, God's, God's rest is his final plan for us. And in another verse it says, make every effort to enter that rest. In fact, make it your only effort to enter that rest because from there, every other good work flows. So that's all I had for you today. Oh, what is inside of people? You know, isn't he amazing? Isn't he just special? Just something so special about you, Jonathan. It's like Christ-like. Just grow your hair longer and just wear some sandals and we'll all listen to you a lot more often. Um, representing our young adults... Would you like to come up, Brian Connor? Thank you very much. I'd just like to say thank you, Pastor Phil, Pastor Julie, for the opportunity to be up here. It's such an honour to be up here in this place. Um, and so time is short, so I want to get right into it. And I'm going to be talking from, let's start off in Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went, by, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Thank you, God, right now that I can just speak your words in a clear, profound, and timely manner, Lord, that I can communicate your heart through my words, Lord. All the honor and glory to your name, Father. Amen and amen. So let me just quickly provide a little bit of context to that story there. Earlier in the chapter, we see the disciples go out in pairs under the authority of Christ, where they go delivering people from demons and setting captives free and making the sick healthy again and doing all these incredible things. And it is now evident that they've come back and they've done all these good works and all these crazy things. And now that they need a bit of rest, like I, I sometimes think like maybe a Ferrari or whatever it might be that is the envy of all motor vehicles. It, it might be the greatest car, but you know, if you're in the middle of a desert and it's got no gas, 
that's got no fuel. I'd prefer like my little Kia car any day of the week with a full tank of gas. You know, sometimes I, I even think, you know, there's some Christians out there that they can rev their engine and toot their own horn sometimes. But, you know, sometimes it's the substance of what's on the inside, which is more important than what you can see from the outside. And I just want to pick up the scripture again in verse 35, chapter 6. It says, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. There is a remote place, they said. This is a remote place, they said. And it's also very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. And we... Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? But Jesus replied, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see, go and see. When they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. So I remember when I was just a young boy that um, my dad wanted to take me go-karting one time. And I was just young and only a few weeks before that, I remember I used to play uh, cops and robbers on our little tricycles with my brother around the veranda of my front house and uh, one time, because, you know, I was driving really fast and thinking I was really cool, went so fast, I lost control and ran actually into the front uh, window pane of our, at the front of our house. And what ended up happening was it, it shattered into pieces. And not only did I get into a lot of trouble from my mum, but, like, I got a couple of little cuts and grazes on my arm, whatever, you know, just from shattering the glass. And I remember on that day I thought to myself, a little six, seven-year-old, Oh, I'm going to make an oath that I'm never going to move on anything else other than my own two legs again because, you know, the words of a six or seven-year-old are definitely going to, you know, sustain the rest of your life. But, you know, I, I just thought, this is what I can handle. This is what I can manage. This is what I'm comfortable with. But my dad, when he took me go-karting, you know, I thought to myself, how dare he? How, how dare he? Like, you know, doesn't he know the oath that I made? Doesn't he know where I feel comfortable, where I'm at, what, what, what I can do? But... You know, he strapped me into that passenger seat of the tandem go-kart. And, you know, we whizzed around that track. And, my gosh, I had the time of my life that day with my dad. Um, the, the feeling of going so fast. And you're like, oh, man, the skin's melting off my face. And the eyes going so far back into your head that, like, you turn into a bowling ball almost. Like, it was just so much fun. And sometimes, how good is it to be able to do something, accomplish something, go around that track super fast, have, you know, a baby born, a marriage restored or a friendship renewed and have had to do hardly any of the work. You know, Jesus says, come away with me into a place of rest. I, I stepped into that go-kart and, you know, I thought, oh, man, I can't do this. I'm scared. I don't want to. This isn't where I feel comfortable. But because all I did was hop in, you know, I got taken around for the ride of my life and I, and I had such a good time. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we can restrict our purpose or, you know, uh, restrain our potential because we get too caught up in the how, too caught up in how things are going to happen. How am I going to meet my rent this month? How, how am I going to raise my kids to be, uh, you know, godly children that follow Christ? How am I going to, you know, restore my marriage? Or how am I going to make this friendship right again? How am I going to right my wrongs? But, you know... Sometimes getting too caught up in the how actually restricts the area where God can move. Because it's in that space where God says, great, you've, you've allowed that you don't need to know the how, 
that is where I can work. Because when we try to figure out the how, how it's going to happen, how, 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 all our thinking becomes about the how, and it's no longer about God. You know, I was thinking about this, and and I wrote down something that I, I thought was quite profound. It was that the miraculous is only evident in the mystery of the how. Maybe I'll say that again because you didn't hear it. I thought it was pretty cool. The miraculous is only evident in the mystery of the how. So what it is, is is this, that when we try to think, okay, how did all these things happen my way? Can I justify it with reason, with thoughts, my actions, what, what, what I could do? It then discredits God and it credits our own thinking, our own ways, our own selves. But you know, we're not actually called to know the how. We are called to know the why, the very nature of God. I don't need to know how things are going to happen because I know why they do. I know why because Jesus loves me. I know, I know why because he is my provider. I know why because he is my foundation, the rock on which I stand. He, he sets captives free. He makes all, new, all things new. He is my God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know why. I know the very nature of God. The very nature of God. You just got to rest in that why. Rest in the why. And, you know, my time is so short, and so I'm just going to close up here with a few final thoughts. At the end of this passage, it, it goes down to the verse 42, and we'll pick it up there, and it says, They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of bread and fish. So, at first, I think, did God miscalculate his miracle? Did he give us... Give them too much in that moment. Is now now what's left over going to waste, or is it now of no use? No, no, of course not. God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Twelve baskets left over. There was twelve disciples. First, they all ate and were satisfied, and then second, there was enough for leftovers. Leftovers. If you take that rest in the why, where you get that victory in a place where you understand that you don't need to know the how, but you realize the nature of God. You then take that, that, that bread and that fish, that victory, and then you can use it to feed other people. You can use that same thing where you conquered something where you thought was insurmountable, and you use that to lead other people, sustain other people, feed people into a place where they're at a conflict for themselves to overcome something that they thought that they could not. Share it with somebody else. From that place of victory, you can then lead others to that same place. So good, seeing our young men and women growing up in the house of God. You just don't know what's in this house. There's so much in this house. There's so much weight in this house. God is doing something so powerful in this place to prepare us for the more. And the more is the body of Christ doing the work of the ministry. Pastor Phil and I and the team are here to release the body to do the work of ministry and this is the most powerful thing that we can do in Jesus name. Let's welcome our youth pastor up, Rachel Mondell to share with us. Thank you pastor, thank you. Oh, such an honour every time, this is really cool and I love this topic of rest, I love it and I think we all um, relate to it and all resonates because we all want the peace of God, right? We all want to have fullness in our world. We all want contentment. Um, So this key of rest, like spending a whole year on it, it's amazing. And if we can get it, then it just changes everything. 
Um, so I just want to start off with one of the core um, scriptures for this topic found in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says this, Come to me, all who you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. There's this ultimate invitation that we've been given to come to Jesus ultimate invitation and I can just imagine him you know seeing us walking around with our stuff (laughs) and him just going come just come come to me come to me and throughout all of um, humanity throughout all of his encounters with people Jesus was always inviting people to himself and this morning I I just really want to focus in on um, this revelation of dwelling in the presence of God and dwelling with him and accepting that invitation of him coming into our worlds and rest and that sort of those two, how they work together. And Psalm 91 kicks that off really well. Um, And it says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, dwelling and rest. And the fullness of the gospel is really that Jesus came so we could be in connection. And um, Jono touched on this and Ryan touched on this. It's all about us being with Jesus, right? That's the whole gospel. That's it. There was one thing that kind of wrapped everything up. talks about it in Colossians. The mystery of the gospel is this Christ in us, right? Christ in us. Christ with us and us walking with him in everything. So... The fullest expression of our love for Jesus is time spent in his presence. That's the fullness of what we have. If you want to know what abundance is, (laughs) of what fullness looks like, where you find your, your contentment and your place of peace, it's in the presence of God. The presence of God. That's where it is. Our fullest expression is found in the presence of God, of our love for him. And that's what our lives should look like, just time walking with him, spending time in his presence. And this is what, that's what rest is for me, is this dwelling in the presence of God. I love his presence. I love, (laughs) I love it. And I love seeing, you know, these girls up here this morning, so overwhelming. Just that purity of, you know, they know, they get it. They see him, they walk with him. Kids have that, you know, it's amazing. And um, I was at a conference Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, and the preacher was asking um, everyone, okay, let's put it out to the crowd. Tell me, what's your, what's the highest call that we have as Christians? What is the greatest, your greatest role? And there were people yelling out, okay, um, you know, to disciple people to Jesus, to love, um, to be a great, you know, husband or wife or parent, uh, to be faithful in my, my giftings and in my talents, um, to be successful. And there was a lot of, you know, that, that's all great. That's all awesome. And he just stopped everyone and he said, no, no, no. Our greatest calling, our greatest role is as a child of God. That's it. And I read this quote this week that it, was, it just stopped me in my tracks. It said, company with God is an end to itself company with God is an end to itself. And I was like, what? Okay. What does that mean? Spending time with Jesus isn't a means to an end. Okay. 
It's not about being more efficient or more effective or more empowered. We don't spend time in his rest to do that. That's the overflow of that, of course. But we spend time in his presence. It's an end to itself just because we love him, just because he's good, just because he's been gracious to us. We just love who he is. We want to spend time with him. That's rest. That's rest. And... um, for me, like the ultimate picture of what rest looks like is in nature. I just, I just love it. And in Romans 1.20, it talks about how um, for since the beginning of creation, God's invisible qualities and his divine nature um, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that all people are without excuse. And I love that, you know, a mountain or a sunrise or um, lakes or the bush or anything, like it just all points to the glory of God. And that's my ultimate rest. And which is probably why I love New Zealand, because it's just this like raw, untouched beauty. And um, over there, there's like hundreds and hundreds of lakes, right? all incredible. You just drive past one, you're like, oh my gosh, wow, incredible. There was this one on the way to Milford Sound that um, really gave me a revelation of what Psalm 4610 means. And um, this lake is called Mirror Lake. It's called Mirror Lake because it is like a mirror, like insane. You can see with such clarity the, the mountains and the trees and everything around it. It's so still. And it's not like this, this surface stillness, you know, when there's movement under the water, but it's still on top. No, it's like the, the deepest parts of this lake are still, absolutely still. And you can see with just the beauty of everything around it with such clarity. And we're sitting there looking at it and remembering this verse, Psalm 46.10. It says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. We know that verse. We know it. But be still. Another verse says, cease from your striving and wait. And just know that He is God. And there's something so beautiful about stillness, of what it allows. You know, just like that lake, that that complete stillness, you know, from its shallow waters to the deepest waters, it allowed an image to be reflected, right? The beauty of what was around it to be reflected. Just that, that same stillness, when we create space for God in our lives, when we get rid of the stuff and we just say, okay, my physical time is yours. My mind is yours. Where my spirit at is, is yours. And I'm creating space for you, God. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, and just be with us and redefine and realign our, our sense of worth and value, not in our stuff, not in our to-do list, not in our giftings, not in our, you know, our roles or um, what we think our calling is, but just simply as a son or a daughter, and we allow the Holy Spirit to come and realign that, this stillness occurs in the d- deep parts of who we are. And the beauty, right, the beauty of God that is around us starts to reflect out of who we are starts to reflect and we start to see like honestly the beauty of God that is present here right now the beauty of God that is in your life you can't even see what he's doing you know he's working in you and through you when we are still we can start to see that with this clarity with this clearness and not only that when we are still that stillness the beauty of God that is around us that is working in us that is working through us it starts to reflect out of who we are and people start to see the beauty of God that's that's moving around us that's in us and that's the overflow 
that makes us effective. That makes us, you know, efficient and empowered. But it's just this beauty of God that we, we are invited into that beauty. This rest is this invitation. Come, come experience, come encounter, come rest in my beauty and my goodness and my grace and my peace. If you want peace, if you want contentment, if you want um, abundance and fullness, that's the beauty of God. That's the glory of who He is. And in Him, dwelling in His presence, that's where you find it. And that's just the simplest, my simplest revelation of what rest looks like. And that's what it is to me. Just the beauty of God and resting and dwelling and being present in His presence (laughs) and experiencing and counting His beauty. He didn't create us to rush around and do all our stuff and miss miss the moment, miss, miss His beauty. It's everywhere. It's in everything. I love it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.